Welcome to episode five of Perfusion Rockstars. Today is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. We're here with Perfusion Rockstar, Paul DiGregorio. Thank you for joining us today, Paul. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Appreciate it. Uh, and for those of you, if you would like, comment, and subscribe, really appreciate it. Appreciate your support. Today with Paul, we're going to start out by reviewing uh, his CV, a little bit about his background, and then we're going to go into a few perfusion questions and then into some more sort of personal hobby type questions and finish with a lightning round with Paul. So hopefully Paul's up for that today. Um, so Paul started his perfusion career at SUNY, uh, where he graduated in 1980. Uh, do the math, that's about 40 years in the perfusion profession. Thank you for your service. Appreciate that. Uh, he's currently in uh, Muncie, Indiana. Is that where you are today, Paul? In yes, I am. Okay. Muncie, yep. That's his current position at IU Health, Ball Memorial Hospital. Uh, Paul has worked in about four different states as a perfusionist, in Florida, Indiana, Ohio, and New York. Does that sound accurate? That's accurate. Okay. Uh, some interesting facts that I uh, found sort of sifting through your CV was you were an oral examiner in the early 90s. And, right, um, back when they had that, yep. I'm wondering, in 1992, were you in Washington, D.C. during the orals, or do you remember where you were? I, I, I took my I, orals in the early 90s, and I thought I was in D.C., but I can't recall. I, one of them was in Florida. I remember that. Okay, all right. Yeah. And then also uh, Gene Lang. I came across that name. You were a yes. memorial lecture speaker. And I, Jean was a wonderful person and touched a yes, lot of people's lives. And I had the pleasure of speaking with her once on the phone when I was in Baltimore as a perfusionist. And uh, I just found her very uh, interesting and pleasant and a nice lady. So absolutely, I yep. speaking with her. Uh, so do you speak Spanish and Italian? I saw that on your resume as far as being an honor society. About 45 years ago, yeah. See. Un poco now. All right. So um, we're going to start with a few questions. Okay. All right. So, Paul, um, pretty important question I think everyone wants to know is, tell us about the moment when you decided to become a perfusionist. The moment. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't really a big aha moment. I was, uh, I was in college in Binghamton, New York, and uh, I was living with this uh, guy who I'd gone to high school with. He was a few years behind me, and I also knew his brother, who was a few, a few years ahead of me, and I asked him what you know, Bob was doing, and he said he was in some uh, OR thing up in Syracuse. I said, oh, that's interesting. So I went to the library and looked in the handbook. Of course, no internet then. And uh, perfusion was the only thing that at that school that had uh, anything to do with the OR. So I got in touch with Bob and he set me up for a site visit. Uh, I went, I applied and I got in. I, at the time I was looking towards becoming a PA, but the perfusion thing seemed a, a bit more uh, exciting. And frankly, it was a shorter path to uh, getting started in the working world. Wonderful. That's pretty cool. So you mentioned uh, a couple people there, but has anyone else been influential in your profession or your personal career and why, uh, you know, from the beginning of perfusion to currently in your life? People, but... Yeah, um, 
you, you mentioned Jean Lang. She was one, of course. She was our program director, and uh, she was a wealth of information. And she was a uh, support system even after we graduated. You could always go to Jean and get some info on jobs or technical help or something like that. And uh, then there was another um, instructor of mine there who, who played a very big role in my life overall, Howard West, um, not only in perfusion, but also uh, in just the things of life as a young man. He really helped me uh, get on the right path. And then another one, Dr. Adam Markowitz, who I started with as a student in Syracuse. Um, and he was uh, confident enough in me to take a 23-year-old kid with six months experience out to Cleveland, Ohio to start up a heart program and run it for him. And he was uh, a very big perfusion advocate and uh, he was always seemed to be on the cutting edge of the new technology and new techniques. So even though we were a, a moderately sized program, we were, you know, one of the, not one of the first, but in the first uh, waves of blood cardioplegia and membrane oxygenators, retrograde and all those things that we take for granted today. Wow. All right. That's pretty crazy. You're doing that with six months experience. Right? Yeah. Like that. Um, so that being said, um, what does being a perfusionist mean to you? Well, it's been my life, quite honestly. Um, means that I can be uh, able to uh, help someone to a better quality of life or extended life and uh, to uh, just, uh, I don't know, do my part to uh, uh, support society in the medical field. I never really thought much about it, tell you tell yeah. you the truth. Good answer. So, Paul, what would your colleagues say are your perfusion superpowers? <laughs> I don't know how much of a superpower it is, but um, I'm really good at telling when the case is going to be done and when we're going to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> you mean predicting it years. beforehand or at the time when yeah. you're leaving the room? Well, beforehand, you know, say we're doing Dr. X and he's doing three graphs or something, uh, the type of patient it is, you know, they'll always be like, what time do you think we'll be done? And I've been, I've been pretty good at that over the years. That comes from experience, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, you know, we've talked about the OR and superpowers. And uh, can you tell us about a time where things went south in the OR and how did you fix the situation? Wow. Well, there's probably a few. There's probably been, there's probably been a few. Um, we've had a, we've had a couple where the cannulas come out of the aorta, so that was a little bit of excitement. But uh, just try to direct the people as much as I can and as best I can, you know, to what we needed to do next and um, keep people calm and not panicky especially the surgeon. That's great. Yeah, yeah, if so you're great. confident, then it's going to yeah. transfer to you can't, you, you, I've always told people, especially new people, if you don't know what's going on, don't let them know that. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm working on it, Doc. I'm working on it. So. Right, right. That's and great. It diffuses some of the, uh, the angst that they have towards the situation and gives you a few extra minutes to think it out. Sure. Yeah, and that time, I mean, it passes differently when, when there's an emergency like that. You can get a lot done in 10 seconds. True. Uh, what is the best part about being a perfusionist, Paul? The best part for me was, was always the people. 
the uh, I've met some great people, some excellent excellent professionals over the years, doctors, nurses, um, anesthesiologists, right on down to the guy who cleans the room. I mean, I've enjoyed working with these uh, diverse people. I've always had uh, great teams, um, very few uh, drama issues or personality conflicts. I've really been blessed in that regard. Good surgeons too, very few with uh, too bad an attitude. <laughs> um, so you've already said one thing, you know, you're good at, you're good at determining, you know, when you're going to get out of there. Um, but besides that, you know, what, what value do you think you bring to a perfusion team? Well, at this stage of the game, I, I'd have to say experience. You know, I, I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. Um, yeah, nothing really uh, rattles me too much anymore. But uh, in spite of that, there's seems like something new that you've never seen before can pop up at any time. But that experience, and especially experience coming from 30, 40 years ago when things were a little bit different where, you know, you had the ability to kind of piece together a solution to a problem instead of having to go through 18 committees to get it approved. Mm -hmm. um, but that experience, I think, is, is my biggest asset right now today. I think a lot of people would agree with that. That's great. Honestly. So uh, if you were talking to someone considering the field of perfusion or a student, uh, what would you tell them has changed as far as the perception of perfusion from when you were with Gene Lang in school till today? Well, it, I, I always think sometimes that it's a, uh, we have so many hoops to jump through before we can even do the case. Uh, a lot of times you've got to meet this standard and have that, um, you know, uh, competency checked off. And there was a little more uh, loose back in the old days, you know, like I said a moment ago, if we needed to, uh, have a certain configuration of tubing or something, we could piece these things together. Um, a lot of things weren't custom made like they, they are today. And a lot of those things have come out of perfusionists saying, you know, we needed this and we did this to do it. And the companies would come up and um, now they manufacture a lot of those things, but it, it's, you know, all the lawyer things that we deal with today and, and such uh, that's about the biggest difference I've seen. Okay. Um, Thank you. So before I have some questions, but one question I heard, I heard a dog in the background. Oh, sorry. Dog. Yeah. What yeah, kind of my dog, dog do you have? We have two dogs. We have a Maltese Bichon and a Maltese Poo. Okay. Little, little white dogs. Yeah. My, uh, my, my grandpa, he has a dog like that. We're, are we taking care? Are you taking mm -hmm. care of them still? Yep. yep. Uh, they're cute little dogs for sure. Uh, <laughs> I could tell it wasn't that big of a dog by how it was barking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so now we just have a couple personal questions uh, to kind of get to know you better as a person. Um, so do you have any personal hobbies that you enjoy doing? Yeah, I like to play golf. I like to uh, to go to the gym. I, I used to love to run. I was a pretty big runner in my younger days, but uh, because of that, I think I can't – my back can't take it anymore. Um, enjoy dining out whenever I can. Um Local travel, you know, my kids live in Ohio, so we like to run out there to see them once in a while. Um, that kind of stuff. Well, great. Um, do you watch any golf or do you more just play? I used to watch a lot of golf. I was just wondering, but, they had the PGA Championship this last weekend. I was wondering if you'd watched it or not. Um, um, I, I did not. not right. weekend, I used to I used to be – when I was in my 30s, I was a big old golfer. I was never any good, but – I play as much as I can and uh, 
you know, time is always a big thing as a perfusionist for things like golf, but when I can, I like to do it. Yeah. Great. That's great. So Paul, since we're on profusion rock stars, uh, do you have a favorite uh, genre or band or type of music that you like to listen to? Yeah. Love uh, gotta be the seventies uh, classic rock, uh, particularly grateful dead, Allman brothers, uh, that kind of stuff. I know none of the young people are going to know who some of that stuff is, but um, that's mine. That's great. Have you been to some dead shows? Uh, I've been to dead shows in the, in the 70s and 80s, uh, three, four up in upstate New York. I wasn't mm -hmm. able to travel across the country. And I was supposed to see Dead & Company on uh, a couple weeks ago, but of course they got canceled oh, because of the right. virus. Pandemic. Yeah. Wow. That's a shame. Great. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's nothing like a dead show. I've been to a couple Absolutely. Of <laughs> Absolutely. It's an experience. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so, Paul, someone hears about your life and they said, I want to write a book about you. What would the title of that book be? Well, I've, I've given it some thought and I think it has to be As the Rollerhead Turns. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> a little bit of a soap opera mixed with profusion. A little bit of a just... Because it can be a soap opera in there sometimes, as you guys know. <laughs> That's great. So who would play Paul in the movie? If Paul, they Al into a movie? Al Pacino, baby. All right. I, like <laughs> I can see that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Okay. So now we got a little lightning round. Um, okay. I'm just going to fire these some questions at you. I want just off the top of your head answers, and then we we'll, we can run back through and you okay. can, uh, maybe explain. All right. So, like always, Sam's going to start the timer for us. Okay. And we're going to get going now. So, All right. is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? No. <laughs> Favorite number? Seven. Best midnight snack. Ooh. Bowl of cereal. Beach or mountains? Beach. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. And cats or dogs? I've had both, but I'm going with dogs. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of our... <laughs> Good job, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We'll make it a little more fun than me just going, eh. You answered them all correctly. <laughs> yeah. um, Good to know. So, yeah, some of these I think were pretty <laughs> – I wanted to kind of see your answers. Um, double dipping at a party, never acceptable. Never acceptable. Bad bad taste. Yeah. At home, Especially at home you can do it. At home is good, but not at a party. Yeah, if you have your own personal uh, tray your or something person. like that. Yes. Yeah. Now, at a par that's true at a party, too, if you have your own personal tray. Okay, so there is a exception to the Yeah, world. I guess there's yes. an exception. Um, this one I saw was kind of funny. You know, is it wrong for vegetarian to eat animal crackers? Um. <laughs> Not if they're, you know, if they're made out of vegetables or non meat, I guess it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, now, favorite number? Mickey Mantle. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I was just thinking Lucky Seven because I know you, yeah, you did spend some time in New York. I grew up in Long Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, growing up, my favorite number was number four. 
It was from a JJ Reddick basketball player. I think it's still okay. probably number four just because of that. It's it's easy to hold on to those things. Um, so cereal, that's your midnight snack of choice. It's the easiest thing to do. Go if you wake up, just run down and get it. Don't have to cook anything. Yeah, I do like a bowl of cereal. Not too heavy, refreshing. That's yeah. right. What's your favorite cereal? Uh, anything with chocolate and sugar, cocoa puffs, frosted sugar, uh, chocolate frosted flakes, cocoa pebbles. That's a good answer. Because then the milk gets all chocolatey too. You have grandkids? Right. Do you have grandkids? I do not. I do not have grandkids yet. Okay. No. So they would like to come to your house, I'm sure. Yeah, with all that chocolatey cereal. Um, and then you uh, you go to the beach over the mountains. Yeah, I like both, but as I get older, I, I like the, the beach. And li after living in Florida for a few years, it, it's just so beautiful. It really is. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're trying to get a beach trip mm, over this. It's plans, tough so. right now with everything that's going on. And uh, yep. But, yeah, I, I agree. The beach is just you can't beat it. Um, so then also, everyone's answered this the same. I'm kind of surprised, but you'd rather be able to talk to animals than speak every language in the world. Correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, the dog looks at you and you're wondering, what are, what are they thinking? What are they saying? And uh, I'd like to know. <laughs> and then uh, also, uh, cats or dogs? You said you had both, but you'd pick dogs. Yeah. Do dogs are, uh, I don't know. A little easier cats if you get a bad cat it's a disaster they pee all over your house they'll scratch people they'll... yeah 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 you've had both <laughs> yeah I've, yeah i had four cats at one point when i was younger but wow haven't had cats in about 30 years so all right yeah i was always allergic can never have a cat <laughs> i was too when i was younger and when i was younger i was allergic to cats and dogs but oh really i guess i, I, guess I grew out of it well, that's good. That's great. Yeah. Especially the dog thinks when you have a couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Paul, uh, that's all the questions we have for you. Is there anything that you would like to share about yourself or uh, that we haven't touched on that we might want to learn a little more about you? Um, no, not really. I mean, you know, like I said before, a lot, a lot of people seem to know who I am. I don't know who they are. I've been been around a long time but uh you know i'm just a regular guy goes in every day try to do the best job i can for the patient and for the team we appreciate that i'm sure your experience like you said comes in handy and uh everyone values from it including the patient that's wonderful. hopefully yes that's great well todd <laughs> <laughs> well all right paul we really appreciate your time um and being able to do this and hopefully people can, you know, learn a little bit about you and uh, maybe can enhance their perfusion career decisions based on what you've said. And yeah. uh, again, everyone, please like, comment, subscribe, uh, share all those things. And uh, yeah, keep on perfusion rocking. See you next Thanks, time. man. And thanks for what you guys do. Good job.